Hello and welcome to the See For Yourself podcast, the only podcast where it is perfectly safe to stand next to a window after narrowly escaping a serial killer. (laughs) I am your host, Howard D. Bitch, or as my friends call me, Howdy Bitch, and I am joined here today by... I am assembled in the USA with uh, parts from China and Mexico. Aren't we all? Today... (laughs) Today we have a very interesting episode. We're going to be doing the movie The Feast. It is a 2021 film. Awkwardly, we're, we're kind of trying to do like a Thanksgiving thing, and I don't think it's going to even come Yeah, I don't before. think this is Thanksgiving at all. I feel like this is... Uh, oh, God. Is, isn't there a movie called like The Gift or something like that that is not at all fucking a pleasant movie to watch? And We, um, should, we should probably do, we that, should do that for Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> This is just the unpleasant podcast. That's what we should name this this podcast. Yeah. The unpleasant podcast. I'm going to go ahead and just do the blurb really quick. This is a golden episode. Neither of us has seen the movie. So I'll, I'll get right into the blurb. A wealthy family has a dinner party hosting some business associates hoping to strike a deal. Things start to come undone when a young woman arrives to be the family's waitress. Is this just House on Haunted Hill? Well, uh, it's been a good, good podcast episode. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> For the for the first time in see for yourself history, somebody cracked the case on the first guess, and that's how we know that this episode's done. We can just call it quits. That's that's the end, folks. That's all. Beautiful way to go, team. So when I read that blurb, it really did sound a lot like kind of like a comedy. But the movie's definitely in the horror persuasion. It's at that magic sweet spot. You know, you're gonna you're gonna love it when I say this. When I say this movie is exactly 93 minutes long. Oof. Oh, perfect. They they don't fuck around. Like they know what they're here for, and they know what I'm willing to put up with. They are not wasting our time, and I am here for it. Uh, all right. So let's let let's scrub that guess. Let's at least refine it a little bit. Maybe House it's on not Hill is a good guess. I think I, I, I like that. Fucking solid. Like. <laughs> I like that guess. I genuinely think this movie is going to be a comedy, whether it means to or not. Because <laughs> the, the blurb really does seem like, oh, hey, we're a wealthy family and we're having this dinner. Okay, cool. We're just waiting for, you know, the help to come by because obviously we're wealthy, so we're not going to, like, serve you ourselves. And then this girl comes along and she's just, you know, wearing, like, a rainbow, like, necktie. And she's just like, well, I'm crazy and wacky. And they're just like, no, we're trying to have a serious business meeting this evening. Don't you be so silly, silly pants McGee. Is this going to have some sort of commentary on rich folk? Like, maybe it is a comedy, and maybe it's like, you know, they're, they're having the rich people talk. You know, somebody says something, and the, the waitress is just going around handing out drinks, trying to be all cordial. And then it's like, yeah, that's what I'd say, too, if I was uh, fucking not one of the fucking lower 90%. I wonder if the movie is kind of doing the lottery. You know that one? N- no. So the lottery is basically a story where, like, a bunch of townspeople get together, and they draw, like, straws, or they draw numbers. There's different versions of the lottery. But the person who wins the lottery, in some versions of the story, they convince the townspeople that whoever wins the lottery gets to go off and live like a very nice life but then they end up killing them oh yep okay i i remember this story in the island they've had this they've had this story like a bajillion fucking times it's old as dirt and they've they've retold it a million fucking ways in a million different you know but like in in some of the versions of the story the like upper class of the town whoever's like holding the lottery quote unquote like the people that are putting the numbers in the hat or whatever sort of cheat in some way to make sure that a certain person gets killed every time and it's sort of their way to like punish a given like 
the dissidents. Yeah, yeah. If there's somebody who's causing problems, they'll get rid of them by the next lottery. They'll they'll get rid of like older people or they'll get rid of, you know, whatever, you know, people that they don't want to have around. The more I think about it, the more I'm hoping it's one of those like, you know, rich people have so much and people who are not rich have so little and the title is sort of re- reflective of that and the story will be reflective of that. That would be nice. Uh, that the feast v famine fucking archetypes. Yeah, we have like every person up the ladder here, where the the waitress who shows up and starts unraveling things is the lower class person. The family is the upper class people, and the middle class people are the people that are trying to strike the deal. Maybe I find it really weird that like supposedly we're waiting on the one waitress to show up, or the one waitress shows up halfway through it, or something like that. These are rich people who have cooks and stuff. Like they're not cooking their own meal. So they already have staff on site. So do you think it'll be bizarre? Will it be weird that the person's showing up late? Or will it be like, this is normal, the staff gets here after? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Like, there's a, there's a big focus on this one waitress lady when, you know, if they're rich, they, they should have staff on site if they were going to have staff at all. And I guess what I'm focused on here is is whether or not we're going to... Like, I think we're discussing this as though it, this is going to be told from the story of the, the, the diners, the rich people. But what if this is, like, all told from the waitress's point of view i'm I'm gonna say she's trying to kill them all like slipping poison into this or that as she serves them but in a whodunit way to maybe remove credence from this business deal i think that that's probably more likely to be the case i would like to see her verbally expressing in some sly way to like convince these people that having all of that so much food and everything while there are poor people like in their direct vicinity and even working for them that probably won't eat for another three or four days or something like that convincing them without having to resort to any kind of violence i think that'd be interesting and i'd like to see that i I could see a lot of movies like uh what was that movie hard candy i think is what it was called Um, i didn't see it the whole movie is like um this girl goes over to this guy's house she kind of tries to like pretends that she's younger than she is and she tries to bait him into doing like pedophilia stuff to an underage girl and he's like willing to have her come into the house and like all that other stuff but he's not he's not taking the bait so she starts assaulting him you know tying him up getting him to like kind of torturing him she does get violent but not as violent as she like suggests that she's going to become like she says that she's going to do like she's going to castrate him and she pretends like she's doing that but she's not actually doing it and she's just trying to get him to admit that he's like like a pedophile she does resort to some degree of violence but she never like she was never willing to kill the guy she was always just kind of trying to get him to admit it out loud so she could have like the cops come and exact vengeance on him through like quote unquote the proper channels mm. but like it's like that middle ground between like being a vigilante and being a an uh, investigator yeah and being like an actual investigator without actually becoming a cop and spending all that time so it, she is still a vigilante like that's definitively that's what she's doing here but she's like not taking it to the to, to the lengths that like batman takes it where he's like actually beating up homeless people in the street <laughs> so here's here's my wild speculation that's gonna. I'm gonna get right to the heart of the movie. Th- this waitress used to be rich, mm. but her family was fucked over by a similar business deal as what's going to be described in this movie. Oh damn! There was a movie about like fracking that I saw once, where the whole movie is just this like guy from out of town trying to like shadily get a bunch of rednecks basically to sign paperwork to give away their land so that he could do like fracking on it or whatever he's very successful at it but by the end of the movie he realizes this was the wrong thing to do and he should have let these people have their land or whatever i think it would be interesting to have her be like in that kind of position where she's trying to stop that from happening she's the victim of this like fracking salesman or whatever and she's now this is just a sequel to that fracking movie 
<laughs> yeah. I feel bad for not knowing the name of that movie, but uh, it wasn't particularly interesting either. It's it's very much a dry drama movie. I also, uh, that's kind of the backstory for Hush. We talked about this in a, in the Batman episode. Um, oh yeah, that's right. The, the, the guy that was given Hush money. In the comic book, Hush's character is, he's like, what is it? Uh, he's Bruce Wayne's like childhood friend and his family were equally as rich as the Waynes, but because of some bad business dealings or some other such thing, they lost all their money. And this guy, Hush, blames all of that on the Waynes. And now he knows that uh, Batman is Bruce Wayne. And so he has become a supervillain of his own accord and uh, is now trying to ruin Bruce Wayne's life. <laughs> I mean, um, that's fair. I, I think that's a really fucking compelling thing because I'm going to stop right there before we start talking about Batman for the rest of this fucking podcast. Oh, come on, man. We don't have a boss here. We can do whatever we want. All right. Well, the rest of Batman's villains are pretty clear cut in like that they're villains or whatever and like how you handle them. And it's like, oh, I got to go beat up the Joker again and put him back in the mental hospital. But to have this whole thing, it's like, I can't just beat up Hush and put him in the mental hospital. I mean, maybe I can. Like, who's going to believe the crazy man that Batman is actually Bruce Wayne? All right, Joker, take take the medicine. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> That, oh, yeah. uh, you know what? Immediately after that came out of my mouth, I'm like, that's depressing. There's somebody <laughs> in a psych ward. There's somebody in a psych ward right now that's like, no, 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 it's uh, Obama's actually a lizard person. And they're like, no, all right, all right, shoot him in the ass. And re- meanwhile, Obama like flexes his second set of eyelids like, yes. <laughs> 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 if, if i were in a if i were in a mental ward and somebody came up to me and was like yeah i have proof that like all politicians are actually lizard people i would be like yeah we all know buddy we know yeah, <laughs> yeah of course our entire society is predicated on that fact alone like I, you're not doing anything wild here yeah no i mean show me what proof you have because i'll i'll look at it but yeah dude we know <laughs> <laughs> of course they are. What else could they be? Hell, man, if a perfectly sane, like, you know, respected doctor told me that he had physical evidence that all politicians were lizards, I'd be like, no, I know. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't is, understand why this this conspiracy theory is not more at the forefront because like there's there's a very real and serious following for the birds aren't real and giraffes aren't real phenomenons. But like as soon as you say lizard people, people are like, oh yeah, one of those whack job things, right? That's funny, haha. Why is that less real than birds not being real? Yeah, I think it's just because it's you know been lampooned so much, like it's gotten so many jokes surrounding the lizard. Like it's sort of the the foot picks of conspiracy theories, you know? Like uh, if yeah. Like if you were like talking to a girl and you were like, yeah, things are getting pretty hot after our first date. Duh, duh, duh. And she's like, yeah, send me some foot pics. And you're like, haha, that's funny. And she's over here just like really wanting to see his feet. <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. Only an idiot would ask for that. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we such terrible people? <laughs> Why are we like this? And sometimes I just don't know how we end up where we are at times where I'm like, man, we were we were just talking about like upper society and the one percent and we're all the way back down to shitting on this poor girl and her desire for foot pics. Yeah, like a, a perfectly reasonable fetish. Like foot the foot fetish isn't even that bad. Like it's perfectly like, right. s- like as, far as, as far as fetishes go when people are like, ew, feet, and it's like, excuse me, sir, do you know there's people that are wearing diapers right now and loving it? They pay to have like a, a woman halfway across the planet that they'll never know and they'll never meet wear underwear around and then mail it to them so that they can smell it That's oh, oh my Come god on. 
and this is where you're going to draw the line. This is where it's too much. There are people who literally eat your bio waste as a sexual act. Good grief. And this is too much. Like looking at a picture of a, of, a, of any part of the human body. Because it's still like the human body. We're still within it's the even realms. Externally, the, the human yeah. body. Like yeah. it's, it's not uh, like, hey, cut open your stomach and show me like the insides of your like stomach acids and whatnot. Like that's not what you're asking for here. It's not that weird. Can you throw up in a cup just so I can like rub it all over me? And it's no. all right. <sighs> Quick question. There is a history in horror films. I am hesitant to bring this up. There's a history in horror films of having like very extreme gross stuff like vomit kind of being rubbed on somebody because there are people who are so grossed out by that that it's kind of horrific do you think this movie will have any of that considering it's called the feast there might be something where it's like they have to eat something you know or they have to vomit something something like that that sort of like fear of the digestive system or of like the eating or anything like that i mean that would be interesting i don't know how indie this movie is because as soon as you mentioned that i was like oh you mean like what's what's the franchise with leatherface texas chainsaw massacre mm -hmm. like they had they had have that newer one where they were eating people sure maybe that's what it is the rich people are eating poor humans people. oh okay what is well, it so what like if this green? Uh, like yeah, so like so green. green yeah what if, what if we go through this whole movie like treating them as generic rich folk but then we get to the end and the actual the the nature of the business deal is that these are like ranch owners or something like that but then we have the the big cutaway shot the the zoom out that their business is actually like oh no we we farm raise people for humane consumption for humane consumption <laughs> what a perfect um, way to word that well, you know, like what maybe this whole thing is fucking some commentary on the meat industry. That's that's right. another wild speculation there. Uh fucking anyways, I think I've gotten really far away from your question well, about uh <laughs> It's funny that you say that because uh what was it? The the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, a lot of people choose to read it as a commentary on meat eating industry. So I think that it's a perfectly reasonable thing to bring up that movie and then say maybe this movie will also have a commentary on that, whether it's because they'll be eating human people, or if it's just something that's sort of like in the background. I do like that idea, just as a general cool thing. I think it's good. I, I feel like I'm just a bit all over the place trying to, because like they didn't give us a whole lot here. If anything, like I'm hyper-focused on the billionaires and not on this fucking waitress lady, or why she's showing up and why that's important to the story. Damn, or you gave them a number and everything. You said billion. They have to be in the billions in order to be considered a wealthy family. Fucking oh Lord. yeah, well I mean, fuck it. There was a point in time where you could be a millionaire and that'd be interesting. But like nowadays, if you want to live like a millionaire, you need to be a billionaire. I don't agree with that. Like if you gave me a million dollars right now, like, and I kept spending money the way I spend money now. And trust me, like I'm not buying a fucking Lambo under any circumstances. You could give me a trillion dollars and I'd never buy a Lamborghini. <laughs> Do you think this will be a uh, like a bottle movie where it's all set in one location? It's just the dining room or whatever. Oh, that's interesting. I really hope it is because I, I really like those. Like it feels very artistic and it feels really smart how like everything happens there and all of the intrigue occurs like off camera. I, I like the idea of just like feeling like you're a fly on the wall in the one room and that's it. Like you're like a security camera almost. And certainly the camera can move around and go to different angles and things like that, but you're just in the one room. I like that. I think that would be really, really fucking cool. Like, I don't think it's going to do that, but boy, I would love to see it. That is kind of the idea for the podcast here is we should make speculations of like hyper specific things that we don't very much think will happen, but like it would be kind of cool to see or maybe 
maybe we'd hate to see it. Oh, I'm trying to think of something that I would hate to see. Like I would hate to see, I don't want the waitress to be like a vigilante by seduction. Like she's like using her feminine wiles to get these people to like unravel themselves. I don't know why I'm just never particularly interested in that. I'd rather her be like, I have the inside scoop somehow. And then the reveal is that, oh, I got screwed over by this company or this family. And now I'm getting my revenge by stopping it from happening to someone else. I think that would be more interesting than just, yeah, I'm going to use my feminine wiles to get these people to show that they're assholes. <laughs> Fair. I'm wondering if the rest of the staff of the house are going to be an important role. Because I've mentioned that, like, well, clearly they're going to have chefs and, like, a, a cook squad, whatever the fuck you'd call it. But we're all focused on this waitress. I'm wondering if, like, she's going to interact with the wait staff and maybe find out something that way. Like, maybe, maybe she she's coming into this without any ulterior motive. She's just like, oh, yeah, they had to hire on a waitress. And then you find out from the cook staff, it's like, oh, yeah, that's because as the final course of this meal, they eat the waitress. <laughs> that'd be cool and then just the rest of the movie is just her trying not to get eaten but at, yeah. at this point it sounds like we're creating a comedy more than a horror movie <laughs> as you're describing that i'm just thinking like this family what does it consist of is it like husband wife kids how many kids brother and sister are their cousins there do they live with like their whole extended family how big is this family like someone brings the very young kid and the young kid's like i'm gonna eat you later and she's like that's really funny and he's like no really are there even yeah. any kids Shit, yeah, in, in my head like as we were going through I, i'm really focused on the business meeting aspect and it didn't even occur to me that that like they mentioned that this is a family in my head i saw a board of directors eating dinner together dog it's just the bob's burgers family <laughs> It's, just, <laughs> it's Bob and Linda and Louise and Tina and Jean hanging out and trying to do some business, but they're like, <laughs> the waitress is just, uh, is Marshmallow. Waitress is just Teddy. Yeah, it's Teddy. <laughs> it's... <laughs> and he's just ruining, he's not unraveling anything. He's ruining the business meeting is all he's doing. And he's not doing it on purpose. He's just doing it by like coming on to Bob a whole lot. <laughs> Yeah, he's just like he's like I've never been a, a waitress at a at a fancy dinner party. I get what would a fancy dinner party have? And so he serves the first course, and he's like, and the first course will be accompanied with this song. He like goes to serve the first course, and it's like it's tapas, like it's just like little plates with like little tiny things on them. Bob's really excited about it because he like made the menu, so he would like he's excited to see them try it, and he's like, oh, it's such tiny plates. Am I supposed to serve this on my body like a sushi girl? And so the first, the first. <laughs> first course he just like lays naked on the center of the table you know what why isn't every movie just bob's burgers <laughs> we've done it we've we've we did the thing uh see for yourself did it better again is there is there anything else that we should add before cutting to the the second part of this despite our best efforts we haven't touched on what it's actually going to be at all yeah we've basically said like there's going to be a political thing or an economic thing or a societal thing or maybe it's bob's burgers i don't know <laughs> <laughs> And that took up, like, fucking more than 20 minutes of everybody's time. <laughs> fucking Christ. I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to come up with, like, you know, because this is the wild speculation portion of the podcast, right? We'll do the examination later. But, like, what, what would the most wild speculation be? And short of they eat the waitress, I really can't figure it out. I think that's just what I'm going to go for. There's going to be something, like, off-putting about the family from the word go. Like, they're going to have a kid that they keep in the cage at the center of the dining room. And it's like, why is your son in a cage there, sir? And they're like, oh, you, you'll have to understand. And the whole time he's just like sitting there like, please help me, please. And that's what the waitress is unraveling is like 
trying to get the kid out of the cage. And then when they do, like the kid just goes and murders everybody. I don't know why I have that idea, but I think I've seen that in movies before and always thought it was kind of fucked up. Hey, it's, we're just a normal wealthy family, except this really fucked up thing we do that no one's trying to do anything about. And then when somebody does, it just goes horribly wrong. We tried to warn you. Why do you think we put him in that cage? Because we're monsters? No. We're the good guys. We cage up children. <laughs> Trying to justify caging up children. That's the political commentary here. That's what it is. The children children need to be caged up. I mean, I can get behind that. I didn't need a movie to fucking convince me. They don't have the same rights as adults, and therefore, they're not people. This is the part where if we had any, like, if we had a commercial, we'd go to commercial. We, we aren't supported in any way by anyone. Oh, uh, hey, that's that's a good point. So there's uh, there's this YouTuber that I watched that, um you know, they joke around where they're like, hey, uh, Kit Kat, you know, we're not sponsored. But if, if you want to sponsor us, I'd love some Kit Kats or fucking whatever. Who do you think we would you like as a sponsor? I would love to have and this will never happen because they don't need to sponsor anybody the product speaks for itself but i'd love to have tubi sponsor us uh, we use Tubi yeah. all the time. We're always saying, hey, just go to Tubi. If you don't know what to watch, go to Tubi and like pick any old thing. They have so much stuff dating all the way back through film history, and it's all for free, and they just do commercials. And honestly, the commercials aren't even terrible. Sometimes they're even kind of fun. Um, oh, my God. The commercials on the Itchy the Killer one? Oh, like, <laughs> what a good time. <laughs> what a good time. Oh, my Lord. They were... They were the most shocking part of that movie. Every time the commercial would cut it, and I was like, "Wow, what an interesting move the movie made!" Oh, it's it's a it's a Kodak commercial. We'll never get you know a sponsor from Tubi, but uh, if it ever if if it ever was offered, I'd take it in a heartbeat. As far as I know, they're great. Obviously, I'm saying that tangentially. You know, if ever anything comes out that like Tubi's actually run by a cabal of lizard people, they actually you know, put children in cages to produce their content. Yeah, like they they have the only way we can make this stuff free is to have these animals hanging or have these humans hanging like animals from a chandelier in our house in every room that's the only way it can be free guys so we have to i could see it i'd, I'd still take the sponsorship but <laughs> there's an argument to be made for that like is it your duty as or like it should we point out that what someone is doing is like taking advantage of a corrupt system or is it our duty as people to just like find a way to get by even if we're contributing to a corrupt system like you have to do whatever you can not to be like struggling in swallow your entire life and that's it's a good philosophical question yeah um, whether your duty is to the whole or to yourself because i feel like everybody owes themselves a great deal um yeah. you grow up with the stories and, and the the teachings to not be selfish but i think that a, a lot of society could be fixed just by being selfish and, and teaching people to speak their mind and advocate for themselves it's, it's crazy because you know that a lot of people would be quick to be like no it's your duty to like do what's good for the greater for the greater good but, but nobody to. knows what the greater good is so we end up teaching these kids they're like hey you're in high school go get your first job and it's basically like do whatever this contrived authority figure tells you to do and that's that if you do that you're doing good. And it's like, no, I, I want to do what I want to do to, to an extent. I mean, I, I agree with that. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're like, Hey, you have to go out and be, become part of the community and like contribute to society and pay your taxes and everything. And you're like, okay, I'll get the first job I can. And you start working at McDonald's and you start thinking about like, what is the greater good here? Because it certainly isn't McDonald's. I can't work at McDonald's. I have to find somewhere else to work, but I have to contribute to my society and like pay taxes and everything. So like, where, where can I work that that won't be a problem? And it becomes like, you can work at like a mom and pop shop 
shop, I guess. And it has to and be. And even like... then, it's like you, you work at the mom and pop shop and they happen to sell chocolate bars, and Nestle isn't that great for the environment either. So, like, there's any number of landmines you can step on. I don't know. Like, um, like, is it good to go through life having to fucking mentally avoid those pitfalls when really, like, I, th- I think people owe themselves above anybody else in most cases? Yeah. It's hard to say, man. It's a difficult, like, conundrum. I constantly feel like that's the edgy thing that I'm saying, where it's like, no, 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 my my needs and desires are the most important thing to me. And, like, second to that is probably, like, my family, and, and like, third to that are probably, like, my close friends that I consider family. And it's like, why are you putting yourself on that pedestal? And it's like, I'd, if anybody, if anybody in this world is going to put you on a pedestal, it should be you. Those people, I think, are arguing against billionaires who, like, hold on to all this money and don't give to give back to anybody. But who they're actually talking to right now is someone who will never have anywhere near that kind of money or power. When you're like, I'll take care of myself first, and then my immediate family, and then my extended family, and then close friends, you know, so on and so forth. The amount of money you're dealing with in that situation is going to be like at the peak of your money making potential, like 100k a year or something like that, right? Uh, yeah, right. Meanwhile, like the CEOs that they're actually saying should be like contributing to the rest of the world are making billions of dollars every year. Hundreds of billions. <laughs> A hundred billion dollars owned by a single man. And there's still people out there that are on food stamps. Like, just doesn't make any goddamn sense. You can't fix everything at once. Which is like, that's a simple thing to think about. But like, really though? Like, if we could just, if we could fix, if everybody's life was better in one meaningful way, I think that's something worth celebrating. Like, that's something worth one man's one hundred billion dollars to do. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's super, the, the discussion of wealth and wealthy people and wealthy entities is just so frustrating to me because everybody advocating for the fact that they're all doing the right thing are saying like oh no no they're taking advantage as if it's a good thing of loopholes in the system it's like cool so you mean to tell me the system's broken and we really need to think about it from the ground up and they're like no 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 because one day i'll be one of those billionaires taking advantage of loopholes and it's like no you won't never in your fucking life will you be even close even with my dreams being as lofty as they are i never imagine i'll be rich i imagine i'll probably just be getting by my entire life Uh, and i've come to terms with that i'm okay with it anyways we're probably gonna cut all this crap um yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if we were ever going to get a sponsorship, we definitely are not going to get it by shitting on the millionaires. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. That's probably true. Well, I think that's all we're going to be able to squeeze out of ourselves for this one. So let's uh, move it along. Let's call that a day and we'll go to the uh, the music that is our, our holding spot for a cool ad placement we could potentially have one day. Burp. Holy shit. Yeah, right? You've seen this before, clearly, right? And that's why you had the fucking vomit comment before we even got into this? Nope. Mm -hmm. I have not gone into a movie more blind than this one because I neglected to mention that the movie is Welsh. I did not know it was uh... Welsh. I had no clue. As soon as uh, as soon as I saw the fucking actors, I was like, "This is either um, Finnish or Welsh or one of those languages that just has an absurd way of spelling things." And then it started off, and they and uh, I didn't understand what they were saying. So luckily, I was able to get subtitles for that shit. I had no clue it was going to be in a different language altogether. I started the movie, and I was like, "Oh, I'm pretty bad. This movie's probably gonna have a lot of talking. It's about like a dinner party, effectively. So I'll just turn on subtitles. I, you know, you can't. I can't hear without my subtitles." basically right 
So I turned them on and the movie starts and it already has subtitles on it. Like they're pre put in there. So I had double subtitles for like a couple minutes and I was like, what the fuck did I do wrong? This is a Welsh movie. You're watching a movie that's not in English and Hulu is providing you subtitles automatically. Yep. Nope. I, uh, I didn't watch this on Hulu. So I had, they had a whole conversation in front of the house and then I was like, please let this be one of the, cause I know there's movies out there where like whether or not you have subtitles is not important because you're not meant to understand the dialogue. Like the movie happens and the dialogue exists but is not important and so i fast forwarded a little bit and i was like oh there's a lot of talking let me rewind and look for subtitles there there are movies that are like we're gonna purposefully choose not to give english speakers an understanding of what these two people are saying in dutch or whatever because we want them to be in the dark Was, wasn't there a movie specifically like that called babel or something like that where uh, the whole point of the movie was that it jump cut between a bunch of different ethnicities within a, uh, a singular conflict and and so the whole point was you're not meant to understand everybody in it. Yeah, each each different story has different uh, languages in it. And a lot of the, like, I guess the conflicts of the interactions that the movie shows is that one group is speaking one language and another group is speaking another and they don't understand each other. And there are a couple of times where they have like translators and a couple of times where they don't and so on and so forth. But yeah, the whole movie is supposed to be about like the language barrier basically. And Babel, Babel's a pretty solid movie. Uh, what did you think about, what was the point of this movie? So by the end of it, I got the feeling that there was a, a Welsh myth that I'm not privy to that got upfit into a modern lens of, in a word, excess. You know, because like by, by the end of it, it's almost like the, the family is paying a price for everything they've been able to enjoy. Not like an undeserved price either, because as we go through it, like each character has done something pretty horrible. There's some characters who get it worse than others. Like, okay, so the two brothers, right? The one that's right. like doing a lot of drugs and then the one who's like, for the majority of the movie, he just seems like he's creepy and obsesses about sex stuff. So you kind of have in the back of your head, something about him is going to get revealed because they keep talking about how they're both kind of like prisoners on this compound. They don't like being there and they're talking about escaping and all this other stuff we don't know exactly what he did or what's going on with him or what but the yeah. other guy the, the the drug brother is just like you od'd you overdosed and that's bad and i'm like yeah but like that's that's a very different thing than what the other brother did like one of these is way more extreme than the other <laughs> Right. Well, yeah, What one of them is inflicting some sort of bad thing on other people is what it's revealed to be. The the, the brother who was a doctor and he comes home to, to do the triathlon fucking whatever. Turns out he's a heinous monster. And the other one, it's kind of just like, hey, I like getting freaky. Let's be as transparent as possible. One brother molested women in their sleep. And that's why he had to quit his doctoring career and pick up triathlon. Because apparently his family is like, hey, you got to do something else. And he picked triathlon stuff and i guess the other brother picked playing music or something i don't fucking know that scene the other guy has i assume lacerations across his dick because of having sex with the corpse lady with glass bottle in her cooch yeah so that is a lot uh, a lot right <laughs> yeah that's that's what i was about to say like like having your leg cut off and presumably bleeding to death is a pretty grim fate right that's a shitty way to go but like having your dick eviscerated is a little bit worse than that you know definitely in the same ballpark yeah i mean i guess if if i had to like nitpick here the leg being chopped off pretty abrupt thing that leads to almost immediate shock i don't know what was going on in that second one but it was a prolonged experience yeah he was doing that for like a couple of 
seconds to say the least maybe even minutes right a couple of seconds on camera which is crazy to me because if you're putting your dick in a girl and she's like go deeper go deeper and like your dick is feeling like there's shards of glass in it usually your instinct is to get out of there right well that's the thing i'm, I'm wondering how much of this is just folklore that i'm not aware of because of my upbringing because i'm you know they keep bringing up this like you don't go to the rise and blah 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 blah. we found the caves and and something about something about part of the land that you weren't supposed to touch and that makes it it feels like something that could be folklore-y I, I feel like it was nice that throughout the movie they were kind of like dropping not so subtle hints like very early on the more in the movie they're like why is the the tablecloth covered in mud when seconds ago it wasn't and then like later on it's like how come everywhere this girl walks there's dirt and it's like all right well yeah yeah i get i get it they did a really really good job of like making it seem like some of this stuff was more normal than it was like vomiting when she sees the cooked rabbit like she vomits on the cooked rabbit and then just serves it to the people right uh even at that point i wasn't i wasn't like fully convinced this is like an apparition or like a supernatural occurrence this could just be a normal lady who's kind of in something of an eco-terrorist or an eco-activist however you want to look at it and she's just sort of tormenting these people because she thinks they deserve it so i wasn't even at that point i wasn't sure that this was like a supernatural thing even with the like oh there's like mud on the table i'm like well maybe the girl has like dirty hair or something and it, it got slapped onto the table and she checked her fingers when she should have been checking her hair she just didn't realize that the the girl just slapped her head down onto the table really fast right a, a lot of these things are for me i'm giving them a pass as i'm watching i'm like i'm not gonna get tricked into this stuff you know if at the end of the movie she's just like yep i'm just a regular lady i don't want to be the one that got tricked by like a couple of easy lines of like there's a spirit over on those that rise ooh, or oh there's like some dirt in the in the hallway i think the dirt in the hallway was pretty telling for me at that point because i think she was literally walking to it's like like at that scene she walks over into the other room to see the druggy brother right and she like licks his leg and everything so like that all happens in rapid succession yeah it, it pretty much feeds itself it like yeah. That, that should tell you all right there that like, yep, we're in supernatural territory now because she's licking this guy's like newly like, it looked like there was like a fungus or something growing on his leg. Yeah, it was um, like raw and at least had maggots. Like, like there was um, something going on there. I, I think up until like, like it really, it there was definitely like an exponential curve as the movie went on where it's like, there's some creepy stuff. But I think for like the first half of the movie, it did a really good job of just creating unease. Like they didn't have big orchestral scores, but they, they did really good with like having that one note that just got a little bit louder and then a little bit too loud for that scene and then it cuts off and moves to the next scene for me the tinnitus noise that the dad would get didn't love it definitely not great it was especially weird because like i wasn't really sure what it was supposed to tie to you know like yeah. it kind of tied to her singing and so and so again i don't know if these are parts of the folklore that i'm not getting like oh the the, the wendigo of the welsh bogs uh you know when you hear it sing the patriarch of the family gets a headache like maybe this is just well, fucking common knowledge let's take some time to break apart a few things it feels like at least for the men they all die of like what their sort of sin is right the brother who like injects drugs into his foot he gets his foot cut off the brother who like raped women in their sleep he gets his dick eviscerated to death and the dad who like refuses to listen to good reason he gets a nail driven into his ear each of them dies of like kind of the thing that caused them to be in this situation in the first place and then oh and and eros or, or euros or whatever his name was yeah his um, greed or whatever well he he gets shot in the mouth he talks a big game he tricks people into taking this by like 
talking them into it, right? He gets shot into the mouth. See, I thought his whole thing was, like, really specifically greed because, um, first off, like, at least in the subtitles, and I don't know how, like, accurate this is to the real thing, but they spelled his name, like, Euros, like, the money. Mm-hmm. Um, Euros, yeah. Throughout the movie, he has this, like, real... And, like, back to what I said about, like, the movie being really good about being off-putting, just, he shoved his whole fucking hand in his mouth, like, eight times. Like, the first time to get, like, a hair out or something. Just a hair. Like, he had a hair in his throat. He shoved his whole hand in his mouth, and then he's eating the, like, canapes and stuff. Whole hand in his mouth. This movie had, like, a weird obsession with shoving an entire hand down people's mouths. Really? I felt like the the weird obsession was with feet. There's so much feet in this movie. I missed all... The, uh, no, I guess that's true. They, they do make them... T- and take your socks off! No, no, no. Take your socks off. Now put on uh, these white <laughs> socks. Oh, I don't want to impose. Put on the white socks. <laughs> no, I just... They were a, he just shoved his whole hand down his mouth, like, to eat, and then to save the, the rapist brother, she shoves a whole hand down his mouth. But yeah, like, his, I thought his whole thing was greed, because, like, by the end of it, he's just, like horking down the plate like uh, like an animal. So I thought that was like the natural progression of it. Yeah, so if we were to take this to a place of like the seven deadly sins, that would seem yeah. more in line with like gluttony, right? Right. He's just always putting stuff in his mouth. You know, that's kind of like the gluttonous thing to do. And he's, you know, taking things from others so that he can like just constantly be consuming from the earth, you know? That's gluttony and it's, it's also greed like a lot of these seven deadly sins kind of like go hand in hand with each other i just meant like the 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 means of death was the same thing that kind of got them into this problem he talked people into this by shooting his mouth off yeah that's fair he, he gets his mouth shot off but yeah you're right there was that like i genuinely thought that his the way he was going to die was just going to be like consuming too much you know eating too much too many things because as there's that scene where he's just like oh this food's so good and he's just eating 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 and then he goes into like a food coma and wakes up in chapter six of the movie. I I also, I liked how the movie was split up into chapters. I thought that was cool. I did like that. And that was another thing that like, I'm going to have to leave this looking up to see if those meant anything or if it was just the the people who made the movie breaking this up into titled chapters. Like, I don't know if this is a Welsh thing, like their their filmmaking strategy, or if this is uh, six chapters to, again, like a a well-known bit of lore that I don't know. Or was it meant to be like the the children's fable that this is based on or the children's book that this is based on, you know? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, like, I don't know enough about all this stuff, uh, so I'm, I'm taking this as, like, a fresh set of eyes, but I do like when, like, uh, American film has a habit of doing the... Like, three-act structure? The, uh, the three-act structure, or we have our own folklores or folklores that we've stolen and have become, like, commonplace for us. Like, we have horror Christmas movies about Krampus, but, like, everybody sort of knows about Krampus, so it's not some fresh thing. It's uh, something they put in the movie, and I don't have access to fucking welsh wendigo lore i do also lament not knowing more about this particular thing i feel like this is kind of like the uh the prey episode where we were just like yeah uh maybe this is how comanche tribe i don't know we are not familiar with this if you're welsh let us know in the comments or whatever the youtube people do Oh, God. Yeah, I wish we had gotten more time to, like, stew in the villainy of the rapist guy. I, yeah, I did... it did kind of hit us all at the end, didn't it? Yeah, they they slapped us with it at the end. Up until then, he was just kind of a creepy dude. Like, he was creepy, he would, like, kind of touch himself and all this other stuff. And it and it contextualizes, like, earlier scenes in the movie when the, the drug-addicted brother is, like, looking at him through the window and just being grossed out by him, like, staring at himself in the mirror, you know? I thought, so, like, I was trying to, like, keep a keen eye on how the, the movie was going to play out 
between the scene where he's like looking in the mirror and fucking like pretty aggressively touching his groin to the scene where he's like taking a bath and and shaving himself and then we see the blood drip into the water i thought this was gonna be like like a dysphoria story early on or something like that where i was like oh he's this is a horror film he's gonna cut his own dick off at some point and that's gonna be the message i think that that was good foreshadowing you know showing him you know well that yeah that's that's what i was getting to is that like it ended up just being really good foreshadowing between that and also like earlier than that where the drug addicted brother drops the axe head on his own foot i was impressed by that i thought that was you know good foreshadowing and you know i didn't think anything of it but i did think holy fucking shit this driveway is cursed everybody who comes onto this driveway drops some shit on their feet a particular part of this movie that i thought was like masterful there's a lot of really cool things in this movie you know the cinematography is really good there's a lot of cool like uh use of color like the greens in this movie are so green and it makes sense why because the the villain is kind of or villain i guess the vengeful spirit is a a vengeful spirit of nature you know like the fields of green that we get to see are just so green and they they look like you just want to run through them they look they look beautiful my favorite part of this movie this condensed little it's chapter two specifically but it's kind of the end of chapter two when eros shows up he drops the the wine on the ground and caddy or katie goes up and uh picks up the glass shard and that's the last like weird suspicious thing we see is her kind of like putting that under her skirt so we don't know what's going on there and you're supposed to be thinking about that right and then yeah i I thought that was going to come up a lot sooner yeah I, i thought that it would still be in chapter two when that would come up they they got me i was genuinely thinking this when at the end, the very end, last scene in chapter two is Eros reaching down into his mouth for something, like there's something wrong in there and there's no blood and he's not crying out in pain. But in my mind, I was like, oh my God, he's chewing on glass right now because she is like divvied up the glass into the canopy. Yeah. The movie completely tricked me. They just chose not to show her putting any hair in anything. Why would they need to show that, right? You know, we already get the sense that she's messing with the food. Like we already have that in the back of our head that she's doing something suspicious here. There's definitely enough suspicious stuff going on for us to assume that there's like messing with the food happening. Yeah, I I thought that she was being suspicious like the whole movie, but it's I thought the climax of that was going to be something like, you know, she she herself is just envious of the rich life that they live. And I thought she was going to kill the wife and like try to seduce the dad so she could get like the nice house and the nice jewelry because the whole time it was just like you know she sneaks a bite of one of the canapes or she puts on the earrings or fucking whatever you know yeah that did seem weird the like earring scene but she like when she puts on the earrings she laughs and i thought that was weird but now i realize it's like she's laughing at the concept of like harming the earth in order to create earrings like something as trivial as earrings she's laughing at them she thinks that the things that they value in their lives are, is stupid. And i that's how I'm interpreting that scene now, knowing the full scope of the movie. But at the time, it kind of looked like she was like smiling or giggling or just excited to be wearing such nice earrings. It, I, could, I could see someone in the moment interpreting it that way. And I, I certainly did. I was like, OK, it seems a little odd that she's laughing, but maybe this is like a gleeful sort of giggle instead of a like ha 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 this is so funny kind of laugh i'm not sure and it's also kind of difficult when we're watching a foreign film and we're not really sure like which version of the like our giggle is different than their giggle right so it's easy for us to be like no that was like a i'm laughing at you laugh and then for you know somebody in welsh culture to be like no in welsh culture the i'm laughing at you laugh is specifically a Wahaha. <laughs> yeah, and, and in America, like that just sounds silly and unrealistic, but maybe in Welsh culture that sounds 
that's the way you let someone know you're laughing at them is to is to wah or to <laughs> or whatever. I thought that I thought that they did a really good job of sort of like hiding the fact that we're dealing with something supernatural. But no, I, I thought I thought that was good. I guess I guess I wanted to ask if because uh, I said that I, I really thought it was masterful how they kind of tricked me into thinking that this guy had glass in his mouth. Um, was there any part of the movie that you thought was particularly good above any other part? I like how pretty quickly despisable the most of the family is and i feel like it's a lot more subtle why we are supposed to dislike the mother figure like for the most part she's doing her job like if anything she's like the very abrasive mother figure of like you know the esteemed diplomat that the father is but then like it's almost like we see a descent into madness with her where she's like i don't know he can help you get money for you just like he got money for us it's great and then like shortly after that it's like (laughs) we spent ten thousand dollars on this painting and it's like oh she's just that's all she thinks about is the money and i thought that was like a more a more gradual decline into hating the mother figure than the rest of the characters were yeah i think that the mother has the most interesting uh story out of all of the like hateable characters in the movie she's definitely the best of the group or at least the the, the most well written when she has that moment after her friend leaves She's like, no, don't leave. You know how hard it is to make Pavlov, Pavlovov or, or whatever it was. That yeah, Pavlova. <laughs> like that's instead of like, I'm sorry for upsetting you. I didn't mean to do that. She's just telling her like, you have to stay because I made a difficult dessert. After that, she gets like these like sort of not like flashbacks, but like, I guess, intrusive thoughts or something where she just remembers various things that were said throughout the day. But one of the things that she hears is like, your mother would be disappointed with the woman that you are now. And then she sees like, an apparition of her mother's face in the window. And I think that's such like a complete realization of why she's like fallen into despair here. Whereas like the dad basically is just like, he's exerting his power over this person who's working under him. And he's certainly done stuff like that in the past where he's like, do you want to be friends? I want to be friends. Like just creepy, weird stuff like that. But it never reached that like level of like complete disgustingness, the way that we feel completely disgusted in the rapey brother or the way that, I don't feel like completely disgusted with the rapey brother because we didn't get enough time with it. And I understand why, like, when you do something as fucking awful as, like, rape people in their sleep, you don't need any more than that. You just need to hear Yeah, it really just needs, like, our understanding that that happened, like, I don't think requires that we stew on it. But I I see what you're coming, where you're coming from as far as, like, all all of the sins were sort of just vomited at us. and, And we're supposed to be like, yes, that is why they're bad and they deserve everything they get for it. We get so much time with the sin of, like, over excessive use of drugs so much time with that god so much time we get like a whole scene where he's basically just like trying to coerce her into like giving him drugs because obviously being someone who just like helps around the kitchen she must have drugs on her right we we get a second scene where he's trying to hork down the mushrooms a third scene where he's finally decided to cook them down into fucking heroin and and shoot himself up three four scenes where we're like yes we get it he's a drug addict after like the beginning scene where it's like they found you with a needle in your arm and that's why we brought you out here into the countryside and yeah it seems like if everybody got an equal amount of time with their problem that would be the one line he would get i wonder if it's again a cultural thing where it's like maybe maybe in wales people don't give as much of a fuck about that type of thing if you're a rapist bad you directly to jail if you're abusing the countryside straight to jail and then like we really need to understand that he is thoroughly ruined by his addiction to drugs because 
because maybe they don't care that much about drugs over there. Maybe, but like they also don't really show him doing anything all that crazy. Like, I don't know. Maybe my standards are just lower. Maybe you're absolutely right. I just don't really see like I've been forcefully made to be sober and I don't want to do that. Can you provide me with a little bit of drugs to help me get through this? Oh, you did provide me with a little bit of drugs. Thank you. Let me you know, find an opportunity to get away from my family to do those drugs. All this stuff seems pretty like, yep, that's what, if you were addicted to drugs, that's what you would do. And they don't even use the word addicted at any point in the movie. Is he addicted to drugs? Yeah, he, he just... He's never really skeeving over it. You know, he's not all scab faced. He's not like scratching at himself. Like it's basically like, oh, my parents are so boring. I wish I had some drugs, right? Yeah. And his parents do suck. Definitively. They're, they're not great. I mean, they're not like hitting him or anything, but like, I don't think you have to be in order to be like a not good example of being a parent. And certainly taking your kid who you suspect to have a drug doing problem and like just saying, well, we're going to forcefully make you sober by trapping you in this compound, basically. It's, it's like a house. It's a nice house, but it's it effectively like, what is it? That lady like makes a good point of like the sauna showed, being a cell. Yeah. She points out that this like very nice sauna that you put a lot of time into is basically a, a prison. And I think that's supposed to be reflective of the entire house and not just the sauna. When we're outside, again, those fields are so beautiful and so green and colorful and lovely. But as soon as we're in the house, it's these muted, like blase beige colors. Basically there's, there's really not a lot, a lot of like pop to the house. The most like standout piece of the house is that one painting. And I'm so glad they like gave us an explanation of that painting because I'm just sitting here like, God, if, if, if my, if, if my analysis of this movie is hinged on knowing art, like we're fucked. If Made in America with Parts from Abroad asks me what the meaning of that painting is, I'm just going to sit here and go, <laughs> I don't know, man, like cubism or something. Fuck me. <laughs> but no, I think that's a good point that the, the house is like so uninteresting. I can't actually remember any architectural features, which is typically when you have a very nice house. It's like the, the only interesting part of the house is that some of the walls are just full on windows. Like that's kind of neat. At one point while setting the table, the table feels very natural. And I think it was really cool how like she found a bunch of different pairs of glasses and like set them across from each other and i thought that was going to play a bigger role but that with the flowers in the middle and the mother being like no 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 this is too colorful and too too creative and natural i need everything to be regimented i think that was the point trying to be brought across there i loved that scene a lot actually i'm glad you brought that up because i'd almost forgotten the oh who told you about flowers who told you about like you know, not making the glasses even. And then she took a moment to think about it and was like, uh, actually, it'll do fine. Even though they had plenty of time to like rearrange it or fix it or whatever. I think she literally Columbused the idea of, wait a second, actually having asymmetrical silverware and glasses and whatnot is kind of like artsy and cool. And like this colorful flower arrangement brings a lot of energy to the table that wasn't there before. What a good idea. I'll pretend it was mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, uh, so speaking of foreshadowing, I also want to want to bring up the story of shooting the rabbits and the fact that there was two rabbits and all that shit. And it's like, yep, I shot the two rabbits, but like I was I was gonna shoot the one rabbit, and then the second rabbit popped out, and then wouldn't you know it, a whole family of the buggers. And I was like, oh, two of these people are gonna die horribly, and then the rest of the family's just gonna suffer, isn't they? Yeah, that uh, that was something I considered. I was like, because they they put a lot of emphasis on the story of shooting the rabbits. She even at one point says, like, he's going to tell you he shot the rabbits. And I thought that meant that he had lied about killing the rabbits and he had just instead, like, it would be lovely for me to have it be explained that he just went to, like, a pet store, bought rabbits, and then killed okay. them with his gun. He didn't, like, hunt them at all. He just, like, hold, held his gun up to them and shot them and was like, see, I shot these rabbits. I did it. <laughs> 
Good grief. I did wish that there was more effects than we got. It felt like this movie was... Very very trim on special effects. It was a very high-end, low-budget movie. Like, it, it looks good. The movie looks like it was filmed on a very nice camera. They paid for a good cinematographer. They had, like, good lines and writing and all these other the, things. The, the background audio that they did use, I thought was... If you were ever going to be like, I, I need to put three noises in my background that's going to really fucking highlight the points of this movie. Like, wherever they dropped a little bit of fucking noise in the background, I thought it was perfect, and it, it created the feeling that you needed to get out of that scene, and then they cut it off. They're like, no more. We don't we don't need the grand sweeping orchestra. Just mwah, just a little just a little paintbrush. Mwah, just perfect. They used their money well, I'll say that. But it felt like none of it went to any effects, really. The um, only special effects I can think of are, like, twice in the movie we do this weird, like, watch the movie in reverse transparently, like, effect that was more jarring than anything. Like, I was expecting that to, like, be the reveal, and then it wasn't the reveal. What? What are you talking about? The the part that comes to mind specific... So there's the part at the end of the movie where it's like we're looking at Katie and then like overlaid over the scene of looking at Katie where we're reversing through the movie where it's like... And then in, in a transparent overlay, we see the the guy getting his leg cut off and we see... That, I know what like, you're saying, yeah. We, we oh. saw that special effect like twice and that's the only one that comes to mind as a special effect. And, and that special effect, the, what you're describing right there, is literally free at this point. You don't have to pay any money to get that done. You literally, like, it's already in the software that's running the editing program. Like, you can just put another image on top of another image and then lower the opacity of one of the images. And ta-da, now we have uh, fire. Sure. I mean, it, it takes time to do, so I wouldn't... Like, yeah. however you want to describe spending money on a film, somebody had to do that. But Yeah, like, the, the editor had to do that. Whoever edited the film had to do that. But it literally takes no time there, there at all. There wasn't a special thing. Like, they didn't need a squib the way that they, like, threw a bucket of paint yeah. on her face when they cut the leg off. Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. So that's them saving money on a special effect. It's a movie about killing people. You're already going to have to spend money making the blood, right? We're already going to use that. So let's not spend any money showing an axe landing into a prosthetic fake leg and then trying to make that look realistic even for a fraction of a second let's just cut it completely let's just not or, show that yeah. whatsoever or, or they blow the guy's head off and like we don't even we, we don't see the exit wound we just see an out of focus shot of him in the foreground with blood splatter around him I, I thought the shot was pretty in focus which was disappointing for me because you kind of get to see how little work they put into making that look like an actual person who got his fucking shotgun blast right inside of his mouth. It Fair literally enough. looks like they put a little bit of black makeup around his mouth and said, that'll do it. Oh yeah. It was in focus enough where like, I, I don't know, like, uh, I was willing to write that off because it was out of focus enough for me to be like, this isn't the focal, like, not the thing that your eye is directly drawn to. So the yeah. fact that they didn't do the fucking, like, oh, if you get shot in the mouth, there's supposed to be uh, gunpowder burns around the entry area. The fact that they didn't do that didn't bother me so much. Well, so because the shotgun was inside of his mouth, and I'm no ballistics expert, but, but because right. of the, the actual, the barrel was all the way in there, we get to see that happen on screen. I would think that the gunpowder would blast inside of his, inside the cheeks of his mouth. We wouldn't get to see any of the black like stain that's associated with a gunshot wound that's pressed up against the flesh. I would think. I could be wrong. I, I don't know enough about it. I just I I know that like we didn't see we didn't like get a close up on the gory 
brain portion. Mm -hmm. Like that part was kind of off screen. Yeah. It was blood splatter all around. And then like the focal point was supposed to be the mother after the fact. And normally I'm a big proponent of this kind of thing. I'm always in support of like doing little things here and there to try to save money in a movie. The difference is the difference between the axe scene and the gunshot scene. So in the axe scene, not showing them cut into the, the leg and just showing the blood splatter onto the girl's face. I think it's a reasonable choice. We still get to see her reaction and like she smiles and that's creepy and it, it works for me. The gunshot one does not work for me. It really feels like there's like a good payout to be had of just showing like, even if we're not showing the actual gunshot, we're just showing the results of it. I think that's good enough. And I would have given it the pass on that, but we don't even really get to see the results of it. We just see the regular actor laying there with like some, some black gunpowder kind of stuff around his face. And that's it. We don't get to see like his brain splattered on the floor or like a shot of the back of his head or anything like that. And that's what I wanted in that moment. And that's what I still want now if looking back on it. In that scene specifically, I feel cheated. The act scene, I'm willing to give it a pass. That's fair. I, I think that most people, your mileage will vary, but that's just Yeah, it, it didn't it. bother me as much. Like there was there was enough gore there for me, like especially with the buildup that the shot in the mouth scene was. In, you know, like you mentioned, like I thought you thought the death was going to be him gorging himself to the point of explosion or something like that like yeah. just from the scene prior but like the fact that he wakes up from his food coma and then there's the whole when are you gonna stop what are you gonna take next and then it's just this dramatic build-up to uh cut to black shotgun noise and like there was enough of that where it's like he was shot in the head and we all know this moving on yeah i'm not saying they didn't show it in a way where you understood what was happening that's not what i'm getting at no no i, get, I know what you're getting at there are a lot of times where that does happen i don't think this movie had that issue where something happened and you just weren't exactly sure what happened there were a couple of times where like there's that scene where the mom like is yelling like it's getting late come back and then the brothers like stumble back into the house and they're like we told you not to ever go into the rise so did the brothers come back to the house or not because they don't show them back at the house at all they, yeah if any yeah they they get shown being drug off to a fucking wood pile yeah. which we don't we i thought she was gonna set all that shit on fire and like we didn't get a bonfire scene yeah it would have been cool to actually see the bodies on fire that would have been nice but again a risky shot that would cost more money right so i i can't tell if this movie there are times where i think this movie did a really good job of saving money here and there and then there are other times where i'm just like i got cheated out of something that i feel is kind of integral it almost seems like this is a really instead of this being a low budget movie this is a incredibly high budget psa because <laughs> like by the end of it and i wanted to bring this up earlier but like the ending shot where she goes back to the mining rig where mm -hmm. uh, allegedly this whole thing has started and she like is happy but then has the sad look on her face and looks directly into the camera it reminded me of like the lone sad indian tear psas we used to get but at least she has like a bloody face and it's the face of like the people who did her wrong that's that's good or it's the, so, yeah it's so the it's blood, like she, it's the she's the, the vengeful forest spirit but at the end of it she's like i'm the vengeful forest spirit because nobody respects nature the more you know only you can prevent forest fires but i can cause them <laughs> I, I liked the movie a lot. I thought it was I thought it was pretty cool and it's definitely interesting to see foreign films and I <laughs> I lament the fact that we didn't know it was a foreign film going in. I think that what a mishap on our behalf, but it just shows like how dedicated to the formula we are and not trying to like expose ourselves to any reading on the film or anything. We're just trying to like, we didn't even watch the trailer. I don't, did you even get to see yeah. the poster or anything like that? No, no. I, um, I saw that Tubi did not have it and immediately went and just yeah. fucking, just fucking got it. And like, I started it up when we finished the preamble and that's about it. 
and I saw the names were not English names, and I was like, oh boy, what am I getting myself into? I was going to say that before we got into it. I was like, because like when I'm reading the blurb, I can see the list of actors. I didn't recognize any of the actors. I didn't really read their names super hard to like figure out if they were English names or not. I just kind of skimmed through it and was like, yeah, I don't, none of these names are Leonardo DiCaprio or Hugh Jackman, so I don't know any of these people. Right. Um, so like, I... I <laughs> And, and, and a lot of it also is just kind of like looking at their faces to see if I recognize them because I do better with with faces than names. You know, that's probably a failing on my behalf. I just think it's I think it's crazy that we had no clue this was going to be a Welsh movie going into it. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad we did. I think it was a really good movie and I appreciated the lack of jump scares. I'm very glad that Wales does not have jump scares, apparently, because it this was a very unnerving movie. And every every chance they got to make you feel something like I felt nauseated during points of it and I was just like shocked during parts of it and I loved that I, I loved all of that in a horror movie and just the dread of it all and when I saw the old lady's uh like reflection in the window and she's like mama and I was like oh this is this is when this is when they put the jump scare in right you're not gonna get me this time and they didn't do it <laughs> yeah it was just supposed to be eerie like you're just supposed to be like oh fuck that mom's face is like right over her own face like goddamn and I don't know if that was supposed to be like the spirit of her mother took over her body and that's why she's acting strangely towards the end of the movie because she acts wildly out of character at the end of the film i didn't know what the explanation for that is and you know now that we're talking about it i'm thinking well maybe it's just that her mother's spirit took over her at the end and her mom is just outraged at the way that these people are behaving just like grubbing for money and destroying the land that that's supposed to be kind of like don't go to the rise don't do that right you know they brought up earlier they're like you know we uh this land's been in my family for however many years and at the first opportunity i sold it off and we started drilling into the area that my family said never to go to that everybody's family said never to, never to touch almost immediate repercussions of said action I don't know. I, I thought it was fun. I liked this movie. I don't know who the hell I'd recommend it to. Yeah, so I was about to say that. This is one of those movies that, like, it falls into that weird category of, like, who the fuck do we tell to watch this movie? Who, right, because I enjoyed it, but, I like, I felt, I feel like I thought about it enough where I'm like, ooh, that was really good. Oh, that thing they did there, god, that was really good. And other people are going to be like, I, I don't get it. So, so was the girl dead or not? And I'm like, ugh. Fuck you, man. I feel like like one in every three movies we do is basically unusable <laughs> or not not basically unusable. Th this is usable if you're like, hello, fellow film fanatics. Would you like to watch this movie? But anybody who like gave a shit about Welsh film would be like, ugh, they got everything wrong. And everybody else in the world is like, ugh, why should I watch that? In fact, I'm, I'm looking at the list I have right here of all the movies that we've done. And I think The Tingler will be the first time we've gone b behind 1970. And to me, that's an issue. To be fair, 1970 and onward is kind of a golden age of filmmaking. I don't know. I th after watching The Tingler, like, the questions it raised for me were way more interesting to talk about than, like, I don't understand Welsh mythology. Yeah, and, and like, we're going to run into that a lot, where there are just limitations to our understanding of foreign films that we're just going to have to come to terms with. And it's that's part of the learning process. And I hope that my genuine hope is that our fans will be like supportive of that the day that we finally fucking have fans. They'll be like, yeah, I also don't know anything about Welsh mythology. Or there was a time when I didn't. Or I can understand because I don't know what a Wendigo is. That guy said Wendigo like nine times. What the fuck is a Wendigo? Right, right. But like, while I enjoy that, 
um, the fact that we were able to watch The Tingler and have it be like, this is what experimental horror was in the 70s, because that's what it felt like. If Like, hey, we're going to we're going to shoot this movie in a really different way. The Tingler's uh, was a 1950s movie, just for so you know. Oh, the 50s. Yeah. But that's what I enjoy about going back to those movies like that, where it's like there's common best practice that people do now. And that bleeds into my wild speculations is like, I just this is what's going to happen because that's the common best practice. And like never in my life would I have said the director's going to come out and tell you to watch out for the tingler climbing up your ass in the theater. That's the idea for the podcast is to try to catch people on those like those things that you've been trained to believe because you've watched enough movies at this point to think you know what can possibly happen in a movie. And I, I want to catch more people on stuff like that because the tingler, the tingler kicked your ass, right? Like you did not. You didn't think that would ever happen in a movie. Right. It wasn't like we've watched movies that kicked my ass like emotionally, but like the Tingler definitely made me think like, wow, why why aren't more people just like fucking around? That's a good question, man. I mean, I think about that all the time and like seeing how much joy you get from the Tingler and how much joy I got from the Tingler, frankly, makes me think all the time that like maybe I really should just be like filming whatever the fuck comes to mind and like hoping it sticks. The problem with me saying that is like it sort of downplays the genuine like skill and artistry that William Castle, the director of the Tingler, put into making that movie. It makes it sound like well, anyone can just do that. And I'm not trying to say that. I'm, I want to give respect to William Castle and how much hey, he did a really good job, dude. That's a lot of expertise that went into that. And yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. But like the balls to be like, we're going to try this new method of telling the story to make it seem more realistic. Like, I think I've brought up the, the idea of the Columbus egg where it's like, it seems so simple when somebody's explained it to you, but somebody's got to be the first one to do that. If you don't have somebody to tell you this is the trick, like it's the same way that like magic works. You know, if somebody does magic in front of you, like they make it so that the, the deck of cards always reveals the king of spades like on top or whatever. If no one's explained the trick to you, you think it's impossible. But as soon as somebody does explain it to you, you're like, oh, yeah, I can do this. I know it, it sounds like you're downplaying it when you're like, well, anybody can do it. It's like, no, but without fucking around, like, who knows what the next thing is going to be? We are always on the, like, advent of discovering the next like, big you thing. You could be the guy that's like, no, 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 my my movie comes with a scratch and sniff card and you, you'll see a cue on the screen that tells you to scratch this little square and smell it. And that, that's that's how we get the real screams in the seats. I know you're saying that and it's supposed to sound ridiculous, but in my head, I'm like, what a legend I would be. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the kind of like legendary, like innovation that people 30 years after it came out are like, that never really happened, right? And they like, did some research and they're like, oh, fuck, it actually happened. And this guy, see for yourself, he was like, yeah, I'm just going to do scratch and sniff movies. What a I mean, I mean, really, though, like, I, I bring it up only casually as ridiculous because, like, fucking, we... Like us in Tinkler, fucking the director comes out and he's like, "You might have a Tinkler climbing up your ass right now." You don't know. At the time, I'm sure that's as ridiculous as being like, "And by the way, on the back of your ticket, there are six scratch and sniff squares." <laughs> <laughs> One thing that I thought was really well handled, and we talked about this very briefly, but like the cinematography was well done. I mentioned that earlier. Um, and there's specifically one scene that I really, really like. It's it's not like the industry standard of like what is good to do. Cause like basically when you're filming, you kind of want to do the uh, Mad Max Fury Road is a great example of this, where everything that you're supposed to be focusing on is right at kind of the center of the screen. There's other stuff going on in the periphery, right at dead center is kind of where the action is. And the camera does a good 
good job of keeping track of what you're supposed to be looking at is right in the middle here, or maybe just a little bit off of the middle. There was one scene in this movie where I really liked just like it looked artistically good to me. And it's right in the beginning where the brother is kind of, he's like staring at himself in front of the mirror and he's like touching his chest and he's like moving his way down to his like downstairs area. The brother's body is at the very far left edge of the shot. And right at the center of the shot is just like a blank wall. And then to the right is just more blank wall. And then a little to the left of the center is the mirror where you can actually see the brother and his body is off of camera basically. Like it's like halfway off the camera. I just thought that that looked really good and it made me feel like this person is uneasy or trying to get out of the limelight. He's trying to not be seen. He's trying to obscure himself, but ultimately like it can still, it is still known. It can still be seen that he's doing this like dirty thing. And I think that that like exemplifies his character really well in that he is trying to go undetected. He's trying to be unseen in the horrific things that he's done, but it's still out there you know, just on the periphery. While we're talking about, like, the deviancy, the cinematography I thought was really good, that the the fact that the father is talking to the, the drug addict son through the window, I don't I don't know what that's supposed to say, but it felt like that was important there. But, but I bring up that scene because of what he said, where he's like, both of your sons are ashamed of the family. Maybe you should take some responsibility for that, Dad. I really liked that line. I did too, and I think that I was hoping for more, like, examples of how both of the brothers, like, problems would be exemplified in the father and i think that the like creepy sexual deviant stuff is shown in scenes like i want to be your friend let's be friends yeah i thought that that was going to get mirrored there for sure I, I felt like it was in my mind i'm like this is creepy like i'm about to sexually harass this woman some type of way i think that 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 line is sexual harassment already or at least it could be argued to be sexual harassment you know he's not saying like i want to be your friend because you're sexy but i don't think he needs to say because you're sexy it didn't get to the especially point like, just like, the, the body language there where it's like he he like catches her eye and they have that awkward moment and then he like continues to unbutton his like overshirt that was one thing i loved about this movie that might not be like noticed readily by a lot of people but like the off-puttingness of those like few extra seconds of silence like somebody will say like oh can you be a deer and go gather the sage from behind the, the kitchen counter and she sits there for like an extra two seconds just silently staring at her and then walks away that is enough to make me like really uneasy and i think that it, it shines really well in this scene where he kind of like silently sits there and just continues to unbutton his shirt while staring at her and it puts in so much more work than any other line could possibly put in yeah i really liked uh i really liked their use of silence no i i thought i really thought the whole thing worked out really well i almost want to know like what the budget was and what the return on that budget was we can uh, find that out oh okay um it's uh the feast the box office was i don't want to say that number out loud but i guess i will it was uh eight thousand us dollars that's what they spent? No, that's the box office. That's how much they made. Eight eight thousand? That's not. They didn't deserve that. They didn't deserve to be done like that. It's it's unsurprising. It, it is a Welsh movie, and they don't they don't typically do as well. It does not appear that they have released the, the budget. The international box office was seventy three thousand dollars. Yeah, the gross worldwide was eighty one thousand. What does it say? What they spent roughly? Yeah, they have not released the budget for the film which leads me to believe that it was a lot more than $85,000. And it looks like it's a lot more than $85,000. If I had to put a number on it, I would say like, if I was being conservative, I'd say half a million. Basically, they lost money on what was a very good movie. Yeah, but like, can you tell me, do you remember ever seeing a commercial for this movie? I'm not the person you need to ask about that, but no. 
Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody is the person to ask about that. People don't really watch commercials anymore. And that's yet another reason why Tubi is just, oh, Tubi, way to go out there. Just, just giving us those commercials we desperately need. <laughs> Tubi, if you're looking for a sponsorship. We're, we're not sponsored by Tubi, but we would love to be. And again, Tubi doesn't need to sponsor us because the product speaks for itself, people. Come on. That is that is unfortunate. If I had to make a guess, though, I'd say around half a million, which is disappointing to find out that the gross for the film was so so minimal. I definitely think the movie deserved more than that. It is the kind of movie that people will like talk about if it got more popular. People would be like, oh, I really like this. I really like that. This is definitely one of those movies where it's like, I'm going to leave this and go spend entirely too much time researching Welsh culture and folklore. It's the kind of movie where I feel like I do a really bad job of just immediately going into conversation about it because I, d- I know that there's going to be stuff that I'm going to be thinking of later and be like, oh, and actually this was kind of cool too now that I think of it. Yeah. There's so, there's so many like little cool things and I really try to talk about the things that like just jumped out to me and some of the things that like sort of disappointed me. But really most of the stuff I have to say about this movie is just good. It really did a great job. Well, we'll, uh, we'll call it a day there and we will uh, catch you on the flippity floppity. Very good. Good morrow. Good morrow.